2: Live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave A.C., and the Sixth Doctor. But I mean oh, what do I mean? Welcome to episode ninety nine of the Colton Collector Podcast. Yeah, ninety nine. Missed it by that much <laughs> Anyway, Dave's here. <laughs> yeah,
3: and I've got a chocolate flake in mine. <laughs> Big pardon? Ice cream oh. in the UK in ninety nine. You got chocolate uh, flake in it.
2: I see. Sorry, I wasn't sure where you were going there, Dave. <laughs> Thank goodness it wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the usual hilarity ensues. <laughs> Next week will be episode 100, Dave.
3: Well, indeed. Course,
2: actually, 100 episodes. I mean, we've done other stuff, but as far as uh, full-on uh, collectors-involved episodes, uh, yes, we are on the uh, the verge of being 100. Yeah,
3: in actual fact, I think it'll be episode 182, maybe even 183, if we get a commentary up by them.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. It all depends on what's canon and what's not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of canon, let's see who's loaded in the canon today. (laughs) Joining us is Mr. Charlie P79. Hello. Hi, Charlie. Hey, everybody. Also joining us is Mr. Darth Skeptical.
4: Hello, good people.
2: Good people. Wow. You're in the wrong show. (laughs) I really am. (laughs) Also... It's our third wheel, but a uh, necessary wheel. It's Mr. Randolph.
5: Hello, you weird chimera people. <laughs> Ooh, I thought that I thought
3: that was nephew. It <laughs> was a car. Oh
2: God, I can see the commentary tonight. Oh, Well, thank goodness I'll be drunk by then. Uh, <laughs> joining us in her PJs, easy boys, easy. It's a wonderful Romana too.
3: Hello, boys. Yes, Romana 2 is in the house. <sighs> in
6: a manner of speaking. <laughs> in a manner
2: of speaking, hello. <laughs> and also joining us, Mr. Tim Jury. Hello, everybody. Hello. Dear. All right, it's time to lower the cone. Control, new agent training program,
7: section 3.5, the Cone of Silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the Cone of Silence. What? Do not shout in the Cone of Silence. What? In fact, don't even use the Cone of Silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. What?
2: Yes, today we have the extra uh, special large edition of the Cone of Silence. Yes, because we've got a rather full chat room. Joining us under the cone today, our mystery presenter, Sonic Sam, Silent Tardis, Silent Tardis, Silent Tardis. Sorry, how, many, joke, how I don't. many
3: of them are that. But... Look, <laughs> <laughs> with don't the audio just... problems we have on this, don't do that. There's, there's only one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just every time I looked away, I could. <laughs> I forgot it was there. Uh, I know, bad joke. Sean50, nothing is here. Resident Alien, Cybob, Perry G, Luna Pilot, Logan, DM Walling,
6: hello Diane,
2: and Merlin is here. Plus, we have guests: Guest 10, 11, 13, 14, 15, 16, Guest 3, and Guest 7. Is that your arm, or was that Guest Sixteen's arm? I think they're interchangeable. Probably, yes. (laughs) All right, that's enough of that. We're skipping news today, but just before we dive right into the review for uh, this week's episode of Doctor Who, The Doctor's Wife, here is Andy.
7: If you enjoy listening,
8: why not join the collective and participate yourself? Or on TalkShoe, call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you.
2: Thank you very much, Andy. Yes, that's how you can join in, uh, just like all the other wonderful people in this room. Yes, and as Dave reminds me, uh, for those of you out there who have not watched the episode yet, spoilers! Yes, we're talking about the whole episode, everything in it, uh, and maybe some things that weren't in it. Uh, so if you don't like to be spoiled, then don't listen.
3: Yeah. Well, we're going we're to talk about the bits we understood anyway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> alright Dave you've got an intro clip yes I've got... we'll be crossing over the, t- over the oceans to run too.
3: yeah I've go got a number of clips but we'll keep them nice and short this
8: week here we go will it be me uncle yeah it's gonna be you I only wish I could go in your place is this nah
6: I don't cause it's really gonna hurt starting.
7: Uh, nephew will drain your mind and your soul from your body and leave your body empty. I'm scared. Oh, I expect so, dear. But soon you'll have a new soul. <laughs> There'll be a time lord coming.
6: <laughs>
8: oh, it's the warning lights. I'm getting rid of those. They hey. never stop. And somebody's knocking. Come here, you Gracious little beauty!
9: A
7: box, Doctor. What is it? I've got
2: mail.
3: There we are, and we've got a female
2: too. Ha ha ha! Yes, we've got Ramana too joining us. Hello, Romana. Hello, Ian.
10: How's my audio, by the way?
2: A little muffled, but audible. I
10: can try and move closer. Um, yes, come
2: closer. Please come closer. Oh, sorry. <laughs> i getting carried away with myself.
3: Are you stroking um, the TARDIS, Ian? Are you stroking it? <laughs> oh,
10: God. Oh, I have been the TARDIS before. I <laughs> have um, photos to prove it. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm delirious. It is four in the morning. Anyway, um, the doctor's wife. um, The first thing I've got to comment about is the title of this. um, Judged on what the actual story was about, and for me as a fan I have been shipping the doctor and the Titus for years. Um, I always said she was his wife. Um, They, you know, it's the greatest love. Doctor Who has been there in the show for like, since it began and I was just so thrilled to see it this noise in canon with this story um, as an avid reader of fan fiction throughout the years, I've read many people do this kind of inter- this idea so um, it's not one that hasn't been thought about by the great um, um, fandom popular um but this probably um this one was a fantastic um well this one of course is canon um this a fantastic um trail of that i think some really bad ones or think some really good ones but um all of them pretty much involved the task of becoming female of some kind Because of course it's not the type of female and i'm rambling but um um but yeah neil gaiman of course wrote it and um as soon as I found out he was writing an episode I'm sure I was not the only one who was doing backflips with excitement. Um, I haven't read much of his stuff but I do uh, know of his work and I have seen of course um, some of the movies that have been adapted from some of his work and I've read a little bit of Good Omen as well which is one of my friend's favourite books so I haven't ever it yet. So I was very excited to See him come on and rise, sorry. And apparently, he really wants to that one. that he was a Doctor Who fan, and that really um, showed in this episode with all the nods to the um, previous canon. And of course, the um, subject matter um, itself being about the Doctor's greatest love, great the TARDIS, and it was great to see the character personified and um, humanised and. Just for them to have a chance to chat. And um Yeah, just like I was, it's just good to have something it's always nice when something that's been in your vertical shipping for years becomes canon. Um it's happened a few, few, few times it would be the one I've always wanted to happen. So um, I, I I tweeted um, Neil Gaiman and Silicon Moffat on Twitter to say thanks for Making something I've always known in my heart for using and years Um, in the show, so um, yeah. <laughs> sorry She's okay. gone
2: off a clamp now.
10: <laughs> yeah, I, um, I really have not got much prepared today, but just so just for that. <laughs> um, except that I I love the speculation leading into this about the title, and um. And it's just—it was a the for the It's Like, oh, so many final dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> Did you wish um, really hard? <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so, totally. Oh, I've got something to mention about Sue Ann Jones, who of course plays the TARDIS. She's been in quite a few things. Um, she was also she was in the Sarah Jane Adventures last season as the Mona Lisa. Not the greatest f in the world, but um, and she was also in single father with David Tennant as well, um, which I only realised after I'd watched the f and listened to his his commentary, which I must recommend because they are hilarious. Um, and yes, yeah, so I realised, oh, it's her. So I'm going to she she's working with two doctors now, in a manner of speaking. And of course, of course, of course, it was nice to see your turn. Of, um, Ten, the Eson tenant terrorist for um for this, this as well um and very weird seeing Amy and Rory, isn't it oh and I have to i just since I was not here last week, I do have to mention I really wish um they would stop killing Rory um it's starting to become like a little bit of a bad joke, <laughs> like they need to do an episode soon called they keep killing Rory like the episode in torture because it's what three. Kind of just so far. Have you seen it? The Promise Died. So um, in, in this one, in the last one, you understand, and, and then of course in the um beginning of um Day of the Doom, and then last season. So it's I'm really excited I think, I'm going to start a chapter of the the, um, the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Rory Williams then. because <laughs> it's just getting really ridiculous. Um. So, I'm hoping something will come of this, um, That I reckon there's something going on with Rory that will be revealed soon about um, stuff with the 2000 years related and there um, was a really interesting theory that someone wrote on Twitter or Tumblr somewhere that because, um, because Rory was essentially wished back into existence along with the universe, in a big bang, that he's sort of become like a fixed point in time, similar to the way Kevin Jack is, um, and therefore can't die anyway. But, I don't know where that's going, but um, there's but it's, it's, it's definitely something going on with him. It's the whole um, two years, um, two years, 2000 years in his head um, that he's on and off remembers. Um, there's got to be more to it than that. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't keep doing this. To, you know we'd keep breaking our hearts until a million people thinking that Rory's been killed again I think there's only so much we can handle before we just you know start pulling out our hair and call Rory fan it, it's just like no uh, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. I, have to inter-
2: I have to interject here and say you can't honestly complain about it when you did get to see him with his shirt off last week
10: yeah for bless Arthur but there wasn't much to see <laughs> I love it. I love her, but there wasn't, it, you're a bit skinny. That's nothing for me. I'd I'll, I'll rather see Amy with her shirt off, but that's, I'm sure I'm not alone there. Uh, um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's never going to happen. Well, at least maybe in her bra, but that's never going to happen. Or it's one suit I'll look I have no desire to um, see that
2: much tissue paper, sorry. <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
10: well, that's how I felt about Rory. I mean, like, I was going, wow, he's skinny. <laughs> um, but anyway, um yeah. I just thought I'd mention the that. Um and if it keeps up, yeah, there will be a Society for Prevention of Cruelty story will be um developed soon because um, unless it's got something to do with future plot lines it's just getting a <laughs> bit ridiculous mm-hmm. now. But um but yeah. yeah. Um that's all I could think of to say now. It's four thirty in the morning and my brain's has yeah. got terribly working up. Well, don't um, worry. If
2: you're if you're still here when we get to the end, we'll probably go around again, uh, the room again. So if there's anything that after everybody else has said their bit that you think of, then uh, yeah,
10: I'll see how conscious I remain. Um, <laughs> I do, I did like um, um performances towards the end of this. Um, I was not expecting that um, him to almost start crying. That just really the whole thing. I mean, the, the, it was of course fantastically. Written and um, a dream come true in my terms to have the ties personified, to be able to have that conversation with the and to have the yes crew that, yes, as the title says, she is um, so his wife. I love that. So, yeah. Okay. Alrighty.
2: Well, thank you very much, Romana, and we'll, I'm sure, come back Alrighty. to you later on in the episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Dave, right. And yeah. another clip, uh, uh, and then yeah. your turn.
3: Yeah, and then after me, uh, Resident Alien, please, and then Mike, but I'll, I'll play clips in between, but here we go with a little short one.
8: Time Lord Emergency Messaging System. In an emergency, we wrap up our thoughts in psychic containers and send them through time and space. Anyway... There's a living Time Lord still out there. And it's one of the good ones. You said there weren't any other Time Lords left. There are no Time Lords left anywhere in the universe. But the universe isn't where we're going. See that snake? The mark of the corsair. Fantastic bloke. He had that snake as a tattoo in every regeneration. Didn't feel like himself unless he had the tattoo or herself a couple of times. Oh,
6: she was a bad girl. Whoa, what is happening? right now is burning up tartish rooms to give us some worry. Goodbye, swimming
3: pool. Goodbye, scullery. Sorry, Squash Court 7.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Squash well, um... Court
3: 7. <laughs> 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 well, I've yeah. got another 6. Yeah. Well, a a um, whole, uh, whole lot uh, happened
2: in, in, in that, sorry, to, to, yeah? just before you stop. No? but a whole lot happened in that, in that, in that little clip. Uh, yeah, we've we've you know, regenerations, regenerating from a, a man or a woman, and maybe back again. Uh, that's that's something fandom's going to eat, feed off of for the next millennia, and and also a reference to jettisoning rooms uh, to, to to gain uh, power. Um, something that uh, of course was done back in uh, Castrovelva So that was kind of a nice little two two nice little nods there. Um, then again, if, if, if we accept that it's possible to go from male to female and back again, then also the Doctor is half human.
9: <laughs>
2: Sorry, I had to say that. Anyway, Dave, you're Well, actually, yeah.
4: if, you, if we're going to analyze that little speech, I do have to jump in there mm-hmm. because it contains, I think, the most important and helpful little line that's ever been uttered in modern Doctor Who. And that is, and it's one of the good ones. Because mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been particularly satisfied in the RTD era and up to this point as to why the Doctor, is it all sad that his people are gone? Because in the old series, they were always in his way. <laughs> I mean, maybe you had Ramana that he liked, but he didn't much like her to begin with. He didn't want her around. And I think that this this idea that there's actually somebody within the Time Lord Society that he likes, and that there's not just that one, but more of them, I think helps us to understand his his loss, the sense of loss that was always played by David Tennant and by by Eccleston that really didn't make any sense to me, now makes sense to me.
9: Yeah, it's
2: it's kind of like uh, what we kind of briefly got with... uh uh with twin dilemma uh when he comes across you know another time lord that he got well, well with that, that did leave time lord society for a good reason um and something that, that the time lords opposed uh, they opposed his you know um inter- interfering with them and uh so yeah along those lines you get the idea that there's a, a, maybe a bigger community of of renegades out there good and bad you know that uh there's a, he's got a bunch of friends, or had a bunch of friends out there.
4: Well, exactly, and and the fact that and the gaman does it with such economy, just you know, it slips mm. in there sort of under the radar, but <whistles> completely changes, I think, the nature of grief that we have seen to this point in Doctor Who on the, on yeah. the Doctor's face.
2: Yeah. Anyway, and, uh, yeah, I alluded to a little later on where 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 Amy asks, and it's probably in one of Dave's clips uh, about being forgiven. It's lovely delivery there too, but anyway, yes, we're jumping ahead. Dave, sorry. Ah. Yeah,
3: and now we know why the third doctor had an anchor tattoo, don't we? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's true. And in um, partying, with course, there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh no, lo- lots of good things. Although I must bit I'll start on a slightly um, awkward note for me. Is that um, uh, and Ramana alluded to it a little bit the um, the actors that they they chose to play uh Idris, um, not that I didn't think she was good at, uh, after I'd watched the episode, but I had such a bad experience with her in the uh, the Mona Lisa uh, episode of uh, Sarah Jane Adventures. Again, not the actress's fault, it, it, presumably, she was told to um, portray it like that. By the way, she was born in Charlton Oldham, where I used to teach. I don't think I used to teach. No, she was born in 79. No. Okay. um, So uh, when when the actual first part of the the characters on the surface of the house, um, I was thinking, I'm not too sure I like the way this characterisation is going. But that was about the only um, thing for me. And that was probably, because as I say, uh, my experience thinking back to the portrayal this actress had done, I was thinking... I'm not sure how she can pull this part off. But it it, it was a, a really good adventure. There was an awful lot of, uh, as Darth alluded to there, lots of little um, breadcrumbs dropped and lots of little uh, extra bits to canon that were added into it. Um, just to add, on. I must say, my uh, my son really thought it was excellent because of all the things that Neil Gaiman added in. Even my brother-in-law, who I thought might have found it a little confusing uh, loved it a lot but he's again a long time listener um, but uh, the the perhaps a negative that I did think was that um, I was fairly certain we were going to find more about the inside of the TARDIS so I was slightly disappointed that all we got were corridors rather than any other rooms that they went through but I realised the rationale of that basically was to tie up Rory and Amy um, so that the Doctor could have uh, screen time with the uh, The embodiment of the TARDIS and we could develop that theme. So in a a way they were sidelined even though, um, again, as we saw, Rory didn't really die because it was an imagination um, as she's grieving over what appears to be the body of Rory. Rory comes around the corner. Rory gets a beard of course. He was asking for a beard in the pirate planet, I think, only last week. Um, Unfortunately, the poor guy and Amy seem to be suffering with bunk beds, but Again, that was something I would have thought Romana might have uh, mentioned, but um, no, I I really enjoyed. It. it was some awfully clever plots. I've got one other little bit of a grievance, and that's to do with uh, the the Russian, not the rationale, the limitations of having to write the story so that there can be adverts. Because there must have been at least six occasions, and I probably became more aware of this when I was looking through to get little edited clips. The number of times that things were said twice and then said in backwards order. So, uh, um, uh, so um, uh, let's say they would say hello, and that's who I am, and then they'd say who I am, hello. So the same speech would be made twice, presumably uh, where there was an adjoining advert. In the middle of that, uh, and I, I kept finding that things were being repeated. I'm thinking, you don't need to say that. You're wasting dialogue saying that. You only just said it ten seconds ago, um, and I don't know whether people are understanding what I'm alluding to there. But um, so many times that seemed to happen where something was stated, then it was restated. Um, this is something that's not just happened. This series, of course, I've made comments on it before, but it seemed to strike me quite uh, clearly with this one. Um, what else? Um, well, uh, I think the whole concept of it was, it. it I mean, we, we did have, of course, the Tenth Doctor when he had, uh, uh, in the um, the the one with the, uh, what was it called, the Satan Pit and whatever, uh, when the creature was saying, I'm beyond time and beyond the universe, and the Tenth Doctor saying, what do you mean beyond time, beyond the universe? Uh, you know, there was no such thing. But here, of course, we were going beyond the universe but I did think the effects were very good and uh, I did uh, enjoy that whole thing if people have watched the confidential I would recommend that to them Um, there was um, a mention of at least one little scene that had to be uh, not shot, and that was. Um, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but it was. Um, it was where the Doctor decides that he has to build a TARDIS. And of course, we got to see the blue Peter TARDIS console. I think we got to see three consoles in all. But um, he was. Uh, he was. They were looking for TARDISes to get the bits from. And in the Neil Gaiman little, and in the actual fact, it wasn't in the Confidential. It was on the. Uh, the little bit that missed the Confidential, he was saying that there was going to be a line where he asked Idris to switch off the chameleon circuits because all the junk that was in the, uh, the planet that would have been tar- uh, TARDIS or TARDI or whatever, they would still not have looked like TARDISes. And there was going to be a line where he was going to ask her to switch all the chameleon circuits off so they could easily see where the TARDIS were and then collect the, the parts and pieces they needed. Um, the other things was quite good as well. I mean, the, it, it was good that the uh, the people, once the the creature had left house had left the world and was on his way to our universe, uh, the the people, the um, what the auntie and uncle, they died. Um, and then um, Idris told them that uh, they only had so many minutes 18 minutes or whatever it was before the world they were on would drop to absolute zero without it being maintained and that was an imperative for them to move ahead Um, there was an awful lot to like and and probably when I play a couple of more clips they'll remind me of things but I'll I'll perhaps talk again because hopefully we've got time to go around the room I'll play the third clip and uh, then we'll go to resident Oh, yes, Resident Aliens, still on audio. Here we go. It's a very short
8: one, this. Where are we? Outside the universe, where we've never, ever been.
7: Is that meant to be happening? But the power,
8: it's draining. Everything's draining, but it can't, that's... It's impossible. What is that? It's as if the Matrix, the soul of the TARDIS, has just vanished.
3: There we go. President Alien, are you there?
0: Hello, yes, I'm here. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, Cheers. Um I'm on I'm on the road so I won't uh, speak too long, but uh and mainly I like listening and just to hear what you all say. But uh yeah, I, I thought we went from one of the worst episodes last week of You Who to one of the best. I I thought I'd uh I thought I perhaps died on Friday night and woken up in TV heaven for an hour. I, I just thought this was this was just, this is perfect. <laughs> I haven't got any criticism of this. I think it was absolutely perfect. And I was a little bit worried beforehand because it seems to me that everybody in the kind of fan community knows who Neil Gaiman is. and my friend here in North Carolina, Chip, you know, a, he, he loves uh, Neil Gaiman, and everyone's going, Gaiman this, Gaiman the other, and I thought, oh no, I'm going to watch this thing, I'm going to hate it, and I'm going to have to confess to everyone Oh no, that.
3: not the, the Gaiman agenda again.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. But, um, no, it was brilliant, wasn't it? it wasn't, I was, I'm sorry just to gush, but I just thought it was overwhelmingly good. And uh, I kind of Love I mean, sorry, this is a really stupid thing to mention at first, but I kind of loved the classic Who look of the TARDIS corridors. I mean, as, uh, you know, I was thinking, come on, come on, go into TARDIS, and then, and then you see them in those uh, corridors, and I just thought that's exactly how they should look. I thought that was wonderful. Um, maybe just one, one thing to throw in. I, I've got two teenage daughters, and they've grown up on Doctor Who. They loved uh, Christopher Eccleston, and they were you know, little when... Chris Eccleston was the Doctor, and one of the things that I think has been achieved by New Who is something that I struggled with in my adolescence. In that, when I got to I don't know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, I just kind of got kind of untrendy to like Doctor Who. You know, you, you didn't admit to it. You watched it secretly. You know, and that's just not happened with it. I mean, you know, my my kids love it as much now as they did back then, and. Uh, and just throwing another thing, I decided I was going to do a little bit of review, as they call it here in the U.S., or revision as in the U.K., and I watched the whole of the War Games in a 24-hour period um, on Friday over on Saturday. And, uh, and the thing is, you know, you watch this, if you see the War Games and you see the little white cube, you go, woohoo, you know, and you get that little thrill. But you don't need to know that. Like my kids haven't watched the War Games. In fact, when well, I was watching it on on Friday and Saturday, they go, "Oh yeah, you know, old Doctor Who kind of thing, you know, black and white sort of thing." And uh, but then, uh, you know, but then for those of us that are geeks, you know, we've we've got that. And I, I think it gets the balance of those things perfectly. And, and that is always the struggle, I think, with New Who. How do you satisfy the geeks like us, and how do you, you know, keep appealing to the younger audience? That. Uh, Lots to like in this episode. I, I think if I were to carry on, I'd just probably gush for ages. So I'd rather hear your, you know, all of your more sophisticated and clever sort of comments. You know,
6: <laughs> I <thought> you <laughs> listen to this
0: show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when Darth comes on, he'll talk about things oh, okay, like dark, camera dark. angles and you know, lighting and that sort of thing. And I go, oh yeah, I didn't spot that. So you know, there you go. <laughs>
2: but for so, me, it's a five out of five. I really love this uh, program. I'm glad
3: okay. You were able
2: to come on, uh, it, it's great to hear from you too. Yeah,
3: We'll we'll be be going to Mike in a moment And then uh, Darth I'm trying to reverse the order from last week Then Ian, Tim and then Charlie If that's okay And I'll play another clip All short ones
8: What is this place? The scrapyard at the end of the universe? Not end of, outside of How can we be outside the universe? The universe is everything Imagine a great big soap bubble With one of those tiny little bubbles on the outside Okay. But it's nothing like that Completely drained, look at her Wait, so, this place is full of rift energy. She'll probably refuel just by being here. Yeah. Gravity's almost abnormal, air's breathable. What about all this stuff? Where did this come from? Oh, there's a rift now and then stuff gets sucked through
6: it. She's dangerous, Gargisar! She, she bites! Do I? Excellent! Oh! oh no! Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Ow! Ow! Bite excellent! Our nephew, take it to somewhere she cannot bite people. Oh, hello!
8: Doctor, what is that? Oh, no, it's all right. It's an oud. Oods a good. Love an oud. Hello, oud.
3: Uh, it you just can... made me think, actually, then. Uh, sorry, when when Torchwood had all these things that had come falling out of the rift, I wonder if they'd fallen from this junk place.
2: Yeah. The, one, the one thing you did miss in that clip is, is the oh. end of that, uh, that biting bit. Uh, <laughs> which is, oh, biting. It's like kissing, except there's a winner. <laughs> I think that's one of the best lines in the whole thing. It's like Uh kissing, except there's a winner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Sorry. That was really funny. Anyway. Mike. (laughs)
5: So, I've been corrected in, a, in the chat here. I've always pronounced Nil's last name Gaiman, but apparently he pronounces his last name Gaiman, so I've been mispronouncing his, his last name.
2: I've, I've always <laughs> flip-flopped on it, too, and it wasn't until you said it, and I'm like,
5: oh.
2: I googled it, and it's actually on his website, so obviously yeah. you're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs>
5: It, it's like with the, the Japanese word uh, Gaiden A lot of people pronounce it Gaiden Or uh, I pronounce it Gaiden But anyway, for this episode I I can't remember the last time An episode of Doctor Who has been so much So heavily hyped Maybe uh, the, last, in, in, the end of time uh, The end of the, da- the David Tennant era But this episode had a hell of a lot of hype Going into it It's the Neil Gaiman episode It's going to be one of the best ones ever And uh it, it, it the episode had a lot, had a lot to live up to and uh, i think of it in two regards in in, in regards to you know long time fans of the show this is one of the best episodes ever because it finally addresses the doctor and the tardis and uh, i've always thought of the, the, the tardis as an actual character as as the, the companion that never actually was a companion but has always been there along with the doctor and uh, we finally got that here. And there was just a lovely uh, bit of lines between the Doctor and uh, Idris of the TARDIS, where, where, she, where the, the TARDIS is telling the Doctor that, it, that no, it wasn't, it wasn't the Doctor who stole the TARDIS. It was the TARDIS who stole the Doctor because she wanted to see the universe. <laughs> There's just a lovely flip-flopping of what we assume to be the case with the Doctor setting out on his adventures in the first place.
2: especially when she says it was uh, he says it was the only one that was unlocked and she basically (laughs) says well there was a reason for that
3: (laughs) there was one mistake wasn't there I mean the uh, she said the instruction there is to pull to open but as long time fans will know that that pull to open is to open the little phone box door not the the main door into the TARDIS
5: what's interesting about that sign is that throughout the the different designs of the TARDIS model that they used, the words pull to open gradually got larger and larger from Hartnell era (laughs) through through to McCoy.
4: (laughs) And and in fairness, the point I think that the game is trying to make is on a real police box, the door does open out. You do pull to open the right door.
9: Right.
2: Yeah, And also somebody had uh, made mention to uh, of at one point where the the TARDIS doors like blew open or something, and uh, and they blew outwards, and so people have now uh, you know putting this over like you said the, the 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 letters keep getting bigger throughout the series. It's almost like the TARDIS is like, would you just pull the doors open? <laughs> it's just kind of and, nice. You can overlay all this information that we've just been given now, and it's right. quite nice.
4: And it explains in the eleventh hour and in the Ice Warriors why the doors go out. You know, some people thought that was an error that all of a sudden the doors went out when usually we see the doctor pushing them in or whatever. But you know, this explains a it, that's how they're supposed to be, and b that the doctor is has made the doors do whatever the hell he wanted them to do. So it's, useful. Stuff. I sh-
2: yeah, I should be able to <laughs> decide the way I open my own door. Should you? <laughs>
3: snap my fingers if I want.
2: Right. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Go,
3: on, Mike.
5: <laughs> but yeah, there was just there was a lot of lovely character moments there between the Doctor and the TARDIS throughout this, uh, throughout the episode. And uh, you know, as for long term fans of the show, as as we all are, this was just an excellent episode, and it's. Now one of my favorites, but then comparing this one to what I the episode that I before this had com, had always thought of as my favorite episode, Vincent the Doctor, it's I'm thinking of you know two types of favorite episodes. There's the favorite episode t- for people who aren't familiar with the show, and uh, I I've been it's like I I recently used uh, Vincent the Doctor to show a friend of mine. Exactly how great an episode of Doctor Who can be, and Vincent is works well in that regard for people who don't know that much about the show, and uh, this is the exact opposite. This is the perfect episode for people who are intimately familiar with the show and have been wanting something like this, and uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, I. I, I I don't think anyone's ever actually said that Neil Gaiman actually wrote this episode, but uh, he did. Sure. I don't think that's been reported. <laughs> See, I still no, said Neil Gaiman I don't, I don't. again, didn't I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, that's my default way of pronouncing his name.
2: I'm thinking
5: to convert.
2: I, I'm mm. pronouncing his name.
5: <laughs> Neil Gaiman.
2: Oh, roll on the commentary. <laughs> Yeah. yeah one,
3: one thing that I noticed from the confidential, um, when they were talking, Neil Gaiman was t- saying how he he got to submit, you know, went for lunch with uh, Stephen Moffat and that, and he seemed to the way he was telling it, it was one story he'd submitted, but um, I'm sure when uh, Stephen Moffat was talking, he maybe he said, well, when one of them was set in the junkyard or something, I knew we had to go with that one, so mm. presumably he pitched more than one story to him.
2: And with the success of this, hopefully there'll be uh, some of those other storylines might get, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, the way,
1: the way I heard it from someone on Twitter this week, from someone who made it clear that they were a friend of Neil Gaiman's, was that this is a story he's had kicking around for a long time, wanting to use in Doctor Who. And it may have been one of several ideas he submitted, but it, it may equally, though, have been the one he most wanted to do.
3: Right. Right, and and I suppose, Mike, you you were also pleased it was set in the junkyard?
5: Yeah, that's something else that Neil Gaiman has said in different interviews that he got to play with the entire history of the show in just this one episode, and uh, yeah, it was set in the junkyard planet, Totter's yard, anyone? The very start yes. of an, an Earthly Child, <laughs> and we we saw little, like, references to the show's history throughout, like we mentioned the the Tardis doors opening inward or outward, and just. All sorts of things, and uh, of course there were little hints to the arc going on, but not as heavy-handed as you know you might otherwise expect. One thing comment that I saw on Twitter that really fit that that really fit this episode is: remember how in the Davies era how we would once per series have a Stephen Moffat story, and those felt so much different, so so much, so much different, and so much better than what was otherwise going on in the Davies era. No, here. that's what we have with Neil Gaiman's episode is uh, that same kind of feel going on a story that's so much different than what's otherwise going on and in some ways a lot better It's
3: well ho- hopefully not we've still got th- uh, what uh, six or seven episodes left to go I mean we've got true. three more this time and then another six
5: later I know we're already at the halfway point for this first <laughs> half of the series darn it
3: <laughs> yep yeah. Okay, well, let me go to a clip. If you've got any more gems, save them for the commentary, and we'll uh, (laughs) go go to the clip and uh, then to Darth.
8: It's not possible. That's, That's... Who else is here?
7: Help me. Show Show It's just what you see. It's just the four of us and the house. Matthew, will you take Idris somewhere safe where she can't hurt nobody?
8: The house? What's the house?
7: The house is all around you, my sweet... You are standing on him. This is the house. This world. Would you like to meet him? Meet him?
6: I'd love to. Um, this way? Come. On. Please. Come.
7: On. What's wrong? What with those voices?
6: Time lords. It's not just the Corsair.
8: Somewhere close by, there are lots and lots of.
3: Okay, Darth, you've uh, you've been bigged up by a uh, resident uh, alien, so off you go. <laughs>
2: I'll also, probably let him down. <laughs> oh, very, well, also, I don't know if you uh, saw my tweet last night, uh, but I do recall, that I think it was before the series started, uh, we were... Um, all discussing the the trailer, and and we kind of hovered around this episode, and I remember discussing the fact that you know one of the things that was proposed is that that Idris was uh, the TARDIS, and we kind of discussed the ins and outs of how that might be a bad idea, and so I'm really really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. <laughs>
4: Uh yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure that you are. Yeah. Um well, let me just uh start off by saying um that I think that the idea of rewatchability of an episode is a, a very tricky one. I think that we tend to think that if we rewatch an episode a lot of times, that means that it was a great episode and that those episodes we don't rewatch that much are not uh particularly good ones. And I've always sort of challenged that notion a little bit. And I think that this is one of those episodes like The Waters of Mars where after watching it one time, I was completely sated. Didn't need to go back. Don't need to in any way re-examine this thing to know that it was one of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever. Um, And I I quite agree with what um, Mike just said there in his sort of comparison of this to Vincent and the Doctor, I think that they are both sort of equally um obviously good episodes of, of Doctor Who. And, you know, while while he was making a distinction between those episodes that are great for uh long term fans and those episodes that are great for um new viewers, what I would say is that, you know, Vincent and the Doctor may be the best pseudo historical and this may be the best mythological episode of Doctor Who. Um, As we've already sort of discussed, I think that there are uh, just wonderful economies in the way that Neil Gaiman writes his stuff and that there are, you know, huge concepts that are just being thrown off as casual phrases. And if you're if you're not a Doctor Who fan, I think you you might not get all that stuff Um, if you are. I think he'll be like that. Is amazing the number of things that he's done to change the almost to change the canon of Doctor Who. Um, I, I think, for instance, aside from the things that we've already talked about, it it shows us um, well. It shows us the TARDIS interior, which is something that we've been long clamoring for, right? We've always wanted to know in the, in the new series, what is beyond the console room? And it does it in a way that's, you know, sort of satisfying. It's kind of cool to see those corridors. Uh, but it does it in a way that allows for... that both satisfies for the present and allows for it to be completely different next time around. Because there's nothing about this story that should make us think, well, really, those corridors are it. That's how it's got to be. Um, and so I think, if I mean, we, we certainly can believe that House is delivering those corridors in the form that they are. And that if House is not a part of the deal, that um, they may look very different indeed. So if you're the kind of person who really likes the J&T era look, you might like this design because it sort of is reminiscent of that. It's very regular. It's very ordered. Um, but if you're somebody who actually likes Invasion of Time and who likes, you know, it to look like the real world more, you can just say, you know what, that's fine. That's what House wanted to do this time, but that's not how it is, and I don't believe that. So it's, it's a great little uh, mm. thing that's going on. I mean, there's a dichotomy that's going on that allows you to believe what you want to believe out of the episode. Yeah. Um, Dave, I'm sorry, you seem to be coming in there. Uh, well,
3: yeah, I was going to say that the, the thing was that the, the house said that um, when Amy and Rory were running through the corridors, he, he, for, before that he says, oh, I've got corridors now. He didn't say I've made corridors. He also, when they were, it was the vertical shaft, he said he'd turn the gravity off it. So he, he hadn't produced, you know, if, he, if he'd built those corridors, he wouldn't have built it with the gravity thing anyway. He would have built it as a trap. But he, it, it was a, it was a. I assumed it was a corridor already there, but to make it more dangerous, he turned the gravity uh, lift off in that thing. Well, I think. And the, and the skeptical side of me, I'll also say, is we have heard there's a new Dot 2 game in the works, and a very uniform-looking corridor is exactly what you want if you're going to
4: produce a game. Sure. I mean, I'm not saying that necessarily. They've they've obviously spent money on this set. The sets there, so. They might use it again, but I'm saying you don't have to believe that if you don't want to. Until and unless we actually see it, because I mean, okay. you say that the corridors were just there, but clearly he's manipulating them. Clearly he's, you know. Oh, he roid. can move. Yes,
3: he moved them around. Sure, yeah. And the lighting well, and everything.
4: Yeah, but we know about the TARDIS that things are completely fluid in terms of its interior design. So he could. He could make it whatever he wants to make it. Um, if you make have control. it look like a hospital. Right. <coughs> yeah, but, but, but he,
3: he said when, when they appeared in the other console room, he said, that's not on my schematic of the TARDIS. So oh. he basically studied the schematic of the TARDIS. He hadn't interfered with it other than change gravity and light. Mm, I think they're assuming was, something. Yeah, that's I'm not probably fair. assuming things, yeah.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't I didn't come away from it like that. I I came away from it believing he was in full control of the TARDIS and he was manipulating it. But that doesn't mean, you know, that he knew everything about it. Because as the discussion happened there with um, Idris and the Doctor, even the Doctor didn't know that old console rooms had been saved. Um, it was something that she did, so it's, you know, and she clearly yeah. had a big security lock on it, the whole thing, so I'm not that and c- surprised. The console room was not
3: yet created. She'd archive well, not yet created.
4: Yeah, and that's, you know, another thing, this whole business of the, the console room, I, I think is another. Well, I think there are a lot of. I, there's probably no episode of Doctor Who that's made more references to past episodes than this one. Um, they may be small in some ways, but certainly. I mean, you can just name off the top of your head. You know, you've got the War Games, you've got um, The Eye of Orion, uh, you've got, uh, you know, The Leading Rooms from Legabalus uh, or Castor Vvalva. You've got uh, um, the idea of this saving rooms. That's very interesting because that is the first reference that I know of in Doctor Who to an American comic book that is straight out of Tesseract, which is um, something from January, February last year in the IDW run. Uh, The entirety of Tesseract really is about that. It is about uh, seeing the Tenth Doctor go through lots of different control rooms, seeing him in, for instance, the Peter Davison console room, and the the notion that the TARDIS is just sort of saving these sort of things. So I was like, wow, that's amazing. But it totally makes sense that, that Gaiman would have referenced modern Doctor Who comic books, because you can well imagine he's got the connection to that. Uh, so I would think Tony Lee, who wrote that, is probably punching the air a little bit, saying, oh, that's great, that's in there. Um, but lots of little references to the past, just but done, as we've said before, in a way that's seamless, in a way that's that's quite um, there if you want it, not particularly harmful if you don't want it there. Um, I think to this episode, one of the things that I loved about the episode was it was the return of um, Owen McPullen, who was the um, cinematographer of the Eleventh Hour. He's not done anything else besides the Eleventh Hour, but uh, I, what a master! I mean, I loved his work in the Eleventh Hour. You can you can see here again, just I mean, here better probably why he's just such an extraordinary cinematographer. Uh, this this entire thing, really, and you if you watch the confidential you're aware that um, Damon was actually dictating lighting within the script, but much certainly everything in the tardis is really all about the lighting it's one hundred percent the the fear is everything to do with that um, so that was great and another little behind the scene thing note that's Interesting is that this is the first time that Russell T Davies is credited as the creator of a monster. I mean, we're used to seeing, you know, Daleks created by Terry Nation, whatever. But this is Ood created by Russell T Davies, which is interesting. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means that like, well, does it mean that? Yeah, it means
1: I re- he owns them.
4: But does it though? I don't. I can't <laughs> imagine. The, well, that's certainly what it means in terms of the old who writers because right, those yeah. are the terms. But Party I really Nation, can't. Yeah. I can't. It's. I cannot imagine that's true in here. And if it is true, it's the first time that a showrunner has ever been able to successfully get any bit of copyright off of something he created for the show. Uh, so well, that's right. that's really interesting to me, and I'd, I'd like to know more about why that's there. Um, Somebody and,
1: did tell me a couple of years back that mm-hmm. um, RTD is, in in this person's words, a rights holder on New Who. Really? That's what that's, And this came from um, someone at Big Finish who does have connections with the production team, so would know mm-hmm. such
4: things. I, I'd Could really have, like to explore that issue, which, more. Presu- which
1: presumably means that when you go into a shop and you buy your ood or whatever,
4: mm-hmm. he gets. X percentage of that sale price. That That's exactly what that would mean. And I'd, I certainly wouldn't have ever thought that was possible in New Who, because, you know, surely the BBC learned their lesson on the Daleks and the Cybermen and, you know, whatever. The depends society. what kind of deal they've struck with him,
1: because they've yeah, he said he's not he running the not show get exclusive
4: rights, he may just it get may, may only
1: have while he was working on the show. Oh, oh, an, an attribution. Anyway, and, it's, and, it's,
4: Anyway, it is a first in the credits, and it is quite interesting to, to think about. Yeah. So now, is, to um, to Ian's point, you know, the idea uh, that before I certainly have railed against the idea of the personification of the TARDIS, um, <laughs> I think what's interesting about this is, thank God it's Neil Gaiman. Thank God he did it in, in exactly the way that he did, because believe me, the 90s and Compassion, oh God, what a terrible character that was. um were much worse. This is very interesting because it's very limited. It absolutely defines the limits of this thing. You learn, you get, you know, forty-two minutes. That's it. Well, you know, not forty-two minutes. This is the fifty. Episodes, but, this one, yeah. But, but but you learn that, you know, it is actually impossible to do this. Um, and the consequence of doing this is that the person dies. So any kind of talking to the TARDIS or You know, dating the TARDIS or any crap like that um, is not really going to happen. I mean, this is a one-off, very specific thing. And I think it's very useful because it eliminates, I think, I can't imagine that it doesn't. River Song being the TARDIS, you know, any female female character who's coming along, they're not going to be the TARDIS. They just can't be. Why would Stephen Moffat reuse this idea? It wouldn't make any sense. So I think that this is is great because you know it did it. It made people like Romana happy. It you know establishes a little bit you know that there's it gives us a little bit of dialogue that's important that adds to the mythos. You know finding out that the TARDIS sentient enough to choose the Doctor. That's great. That's lovely. Um, but. But then it's over and we don't deal with this again. So out of the box, back in the box, we're done. I love that. We're done. So I didn't mind it here. I in fact again really liked it because it's a nice barrier. Um, well another thing that's really interesting, that's great, in fact, about uh, learning the I suppose the limits of sentience. I mean knowing now that it's a kind of full sentience. It's a kind of, you know, really the TARDIS chooses to do things, even against the will of the Doctor. That there's give and take. Uh, what's great about that is, you know, Chameleon Circuit—it's not broken. It's the way the TARDIS wants it to be. That's an interesting idea. Um, even better. Why can,
11: you know, the Eleventh
4: Doctor in the A uh, Christmas Carol have? Unparalleled command of the TARDIS to be able to land the thing on a dime in whatever time period he wants to. But, you know, in Unquiet Dead, oh, wait, this isn't, you know, this is Cardiff. This is not the the right year that I wanted to be in. Well, the reason is because, as we learned, the TARDIS takes him to where he needs to be. And I think that, that that's entirely useful to explaining the difference between new who and old who and why things are seemingly easier now and, and yet why, even in the modern era, sometimes it works better than other times it does. So that's entirely yeah. useful.
1: And for new
3: for new viewers, that's going to help them because they they they're not going to be confused because they now know the reasoning behind if the story requires it. The TARDIS gets there.
4: Right, exactly. And I think the, finally, you know, I'm sorry, Ian. Go ahead. No, no.
2: Uh, the 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 thing I keep wanting to say and I keep realizing that my mute button's on <laughs> because my wife oh. keeps walking in here is that. Um, the whole thing about the saving the rooms and and the fact that the mm. the exterior of the TARDIS you know never changes um, and I'm not sure whose line it is which Doctor but um, there's a line that the Doctor says where he basically says sentimental old thing mm. he calls her a sentimental old thing and it's just it, again it's one of those things where you just start looking back at it as and and seeing the TARDIS in a different light and going yeah she is <laughs> you know right.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's quite wonderful, really, to have this level of sentience explained to us and then put back in the box because it just informs so much that has gone before. I think another great thing that is in this episode, and this is about the last thing I'll say, is um, we have now another thing, like the pocket watch from Series 3, which could very well come back in the future. I don't think the hypercubes are done. Um, Maybe they won't come back this season, but it gives us an immediate story that you can imagine later on. Oh, here's a hypercube. Hmm, that's interesting. Now we have another Time Lord, and it's a way to introduce another Time Lord. Uh, so that that could be quite useful indeed. I'll also say, um, Doctor Who Confidential this week was fabulous. Oh, and by the way, Ian, wasn't there a Six Doctor reference, a positive Six Doctor reference in this episode i thought I, I could swear i heard something about patchwork quilt patchwork umbrella something they huh. said he I, had an umbrella once i
3: can't remember
2: oh yeah that, well that's the 7th yeah. doctor yeah he said uh, yeah he said he had a well the 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 6th doctor also had the multicolored umbrella it was only seen you know once or twice but um
4: oh i thought for some reason i thought i had heard something about patchwork umbrella or
2: Something. Well, he, he was referring to to Auntie uh, and and Uncle how they were put together, you know, and so that there wasn't anything left of their original selves anymore. And he said I had an umbrella like that once.
4: Exactly, exactly. Right. And I don't. That doesn't, to me, describe the Seventh Doctor's umbrella. That is, describes the Sixth. But that's just me. I don't know. But right. anyway, yeah. Sixty got some some good time in yep. in. Uh, Although, t- although, did you notice that they color treated that stuff? Yes, so that they did. He didn't look quite as he wasn't quite
2: as bright. No, and the only ones the only ones no. that weren't color treated is where he came in 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 um, in the fifth doctor's costume I that wasn't color that was, treated.
4: Yeah, I thought that was totally deliberate.
2: Totally, uh, I'm like they muted the colors. Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, that
6: was
2: funny. Indeed. Well, I'm I'm, I'm I'm glad I remember saying. Turned to my wife last night and I said, "I'm really interested." After we had that discussion about about this episode earlier, before you know, I screened, and how you weren't very jazzed about the idea if it panned out this way. Um, but I'm glad to hear that that you know, for you, it paid off. Um, that's good. Good to know. You know, I'd like that. You know that. That you liked it, you know.
4: I, I did, but I have to tell you, at the pre-title sequence, when we went into the uh, the credits, uh, I did roll my eyes. I was like, oh, you've <laughs> got to be joking me." But you know, the way that it, the precise way is not is really not like it was done in the nineties and two thousand. You know, seriously, some of that fiction from that period of time is truly terrible. Yeah. Uh, and, and at least this isn't, you know, any old TARDIS, this is the TARDIS, right. and and we learn something emotionally, but anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay.
2: Um, okay. What, what, one of the things I heard from somebody on Twitter, they said that, that that it wasn't long enough, and that there should have been so much more dialogue, and I think that's the brilliant thing about this, is of how little dialogue there was between them, and all the good, um, you could have really overdone this episode and ruined it. Um, Absolutely. The short dialogue, sort of punchy dialogue between the two of them, was just boof, done nice. Well, of course she anyway. was willing
3: to speak as well, so it, it, yeah. it was it worked with the thingy. Okay, I'll yeah. play a clip then. Uh, if you want to go next, Ian, and then Tim and Charlie, but uh, I'll leave it up to you. Where you go next? Here's the clip. Okay. Hey, uh, right here. Screwdrivers
8: in your jacket, yeah? Yeah, it's around somewhere.
6: Have a good look.
8: How many Time Lords have you lured here the way you learned me? You gave me hope and then you took it away. That's enough to make anyone dangerous. God knows what it will do to me.
7: No sonic screwdriver. Also, the door seemed to have locked behind us. Rory well, we thinks there's a perfectly innocent explanation, but I think you lied to us. Time
8: Lord stuff needed you out of the way. What
7: well, we're not good enough for your smart new friends.
8: Boxes will make you angry. How could she know?
7: Doctor, what are you talking about? Stay put. Stay exactly where you are. We don't have much...
8: ...choice. How did you know about the boxes? You said they would make me angry. How did you
7: know? I see. Who are? You? I
8: don't understand. Who are you?
7: You really not know me? Just because they put me in here. They
8: said you were
10: dangerous.
7: Of the cage, stupid. Oh, what do you call me? Uh, we travel. I go. The tart. High and relative dimension in space. Yes, that's it. Names are funny. It's me. I'm
3: retarded. Okay, are you going to go next, Ian?
2: Um, no, I'll let Tim and Charlie go, because uh, it uh, okay. it is 20 after 3, and Podshock is uh, coming hot on our heels. Um, and so... Oh, and Willis Girl is here, too, so I'd rather uh, go at the end okay. and, uh, and and let these guys head off if they need to. Um, okay. Also, welcoming into the room as soon as this damn thing unmutes, Willis Girl. <laughs> It's not working. My computer's come alive and it's standing behind me, definitely well, on the shoulder. Let's, oh, let's let's go go. to... Yes, anyway, let's go to Tim or Charlie, your choice. Tim?
1: Well, I kind of prepared for this episode this week, but I thought, well, what have I got that's Neil Gaiman I can sort of bone up on his style of writing with? And so I, I dug out a DVD of um, a show he did for BBC One way back in 1996 called Neverwhere, which is a very odd show. Very odd indeed, but. <laughs> Uh, if it prepared me for this in any way, it was the style of characters he come up, comes up with. They are, well, very strange, and they kind of have their own way of speaking. And uh, this theme we've come to, the, his this minimalism of the dialogue, certainly does ring true, and it's not just... Um, Idris who talked that way it was um the 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 uncle and auntie character too there was this sort of stuff that particularly when you go back and watch the episode for a second time like I did earlier this evening, I went ah well it's obvious why Uncle is saying all that stuff in the first few minutes about it will be painful and um, so all this is it's, it's, it's kind of, it kind of there's only in there's there's as much dialogue as there needs to be to explain stuff. It it really is that well thought out. But um, I certainly um, I'd ha, I'd it 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 it's it's only a few days on now from people who had preview discs of this that I certainly know why they made certain utterances online because Tony Galishan, uh made a reference on uh, Twitter to Neil Gaiman being a fanboy. And I thought, well, yes, he he so is in several ways, because obviously Neil Gaiman's been watching the show since 2005 as well, and you can't help but think on some levels he may have had a sort of tick sheet of things that if he wanted to slip into an episode of his own, he'd slip them in. So maybe this thing of being able to leave the console room and see other rooms and see corridors and that may have been one of those things but it's certainly been one of my bugbears since 2005 that um, as I've said before on this show they've got the money these days to do it and for some reason they've never found a reason to do it and thankfully someone's finally come up with a reason for them to show more of the TARDIS and it it, hey, Tim. it
4: I'm sorry to stop you there, but I do want to ask you a question because you brought that up. as a very interesting point. Do you think that – did you see anything about this episode that made you understand why it would have been particularly over budget last year and therefore had to been bumped here? Was it just the corridors or was, was it something I was trying more? to
1: work that out when I was watching it last night, and the only thing that immediately sprung to mind was the set dressing because they did take over a um quarry. a whole um quarry <laughs> and from watching the confidential they kind of made it clear and even when you're watching the episode itself that there is a lot of set dressings gone on. But I do kind of have to agree with you and you'll you're you 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 kind of going against my thought was my thought when when I was watching it last night was Ah, well, the reason this has cost so much is because this location cost a lot to dress. Well, I'm guessing you're thinking it didn't.
3: There's quite a bit of CGI I, as well, wasn't there?
1: And also they had yeah, to the, 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 the original, they, they were going there. to
3: do that thing that I mentioned about uh, showing all the TARDIS on the thing. So there was perhaps going to be more CGI. But you're right; um, it doesn't seem a, an overly I mean, it it,
1: it may have been, in terms of sets, it may have been a logistical expense of the studio space required to have two different TARDIS sets set up, Uh, because having seen that set, or certainly a a fair proportion of it they have on display at the Doctor Who experience, it's a big bit of hardware, and... Presumably had been dismantled and stored uh, up happened, until uh, yeah. production of this episode. Oh, oh, it was still standing, was it?
4: Yeah, I mean, if you watch lots of episodes of Doctor Who Confidential, that you'll have Karen Gillan. She'll go into the um, Upper Boat Studios and she'll pass by the old set first because it's it's first in oh. the studio from the outside door. And she'll say, "Oh, that's the old yes, Tardis." Yes, um, go,
1: I remember yeah. now them saying that they built the the new Tardis set where the hub. Well, thought humming you where that set used to be,
4: right? Because so you can still see the dragon, the, yeah. Mm. Well, maybe it,
1: maybe I, it will um, become clear some somewhere in the, in the the various bits of behind the scenes coverage of this episode why why they thought it would wouldn't be affordable last year. It may have been a a, a balancing act with how expensive certain other episodes were mm. last year, and the sort of how much money there was left for this one but um,
4: yeah yeah I don't know I, was Sorry, the I studio totally space
3: trailing, or but... something uh, perhaps it was paying Russell T. Davis for his mm. <laughs> that might be
1: but, um, but to address the point that, that several people seem to have made that this is this whole idea of uh, this slash idea of the Doctor the TARDIS this is something we've been waiting to see not in my case it wasn't. I thought it was a very interesting idea. I was open to it. But um it's it's not something I particularly yearned for in the show, but it, it it's um I'm running out of things to say. Yeah, it was just full of stuff that only someone who's true heart and soul Doctor Who fan would pour into this. And, um, it's barely worth me mentioning it now, because Darth poo pooed it before we started recording. But one of the things that I thought, and nobody else thought, so it's clearly just entirely my imagination, is that they'd use Paul McGann's voice as one of those Time Lord voices, when you uh, have the Doctor fiddling around with that Oods globe, and there's suddenly that whole burst of voices... And when I heard those voices, my very first thought was that, oh, one of them voices is McGann because it it just sounded like him to me, but clearly not to anybody else. But, it could um, be Michael Sheen doing one of his voices. Well, <laughs> you, ne- you never, you never know. I mean, it was amazing that that Michael Sheen was playing this um, this asteroid, uh, this house, his voice and. I, it didn't remotely register with me till I was um, checking through the end credits um, earlier this evening. But, um, uh, well, I think the final thing I'll mention, probably the most memorable sequence for me, was the whole corridor thing, if only because of the, the psychological battle that was going on between House, Amy and Rory, and uh, one minute there's a door closes... And uh, she runs around a corridor and turns around a, do- a, do- a corner and then another corner and finds him, and as if she, she's only been gone away for seconds or a couple of minutes. And he says, "Oh, you've been gone for hours." And then the next time she finds him, he—it's it, been like not even months. It—it's—it's it, it's been possibly a year, and he's become well, not even years. It's a year. It's been years because he's aged to an old man, and. He's been i'd not necessarily physically tortured, but he's been continually psychologically tortured he's thought things have happened to him over a particular period of time and um it's 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 a pity to say this but but Rory's becoming a bit of a fall guy in this series, and i i'd I'd hoped for a bit more of an equal Putting an equal partnership between these companions, but there clearly seems to be a sort of uh, um, a pecking order. And I mean, it yeah. was interesting when they did the um, the the telepathic link thing, and um, uh, Idris says to the Doctor, um, oh, "Oh, it's all right. I'll, I'll use telepathy. I'll contact the pretty one," and the, the Doctor in, in, in instantly thinks, "Oh, the pretty one—that's Amy." And he, and she gets through to Rory, but equally, he's not thinking from her point of view. From her point of view, Rory may well be the pretty one, but um, yeah. yeah, and and it was good to see the um the old ninth tenth Doctor console room again, and I liked the um the idea that the the Tardis is storing up all these old console rooms, but um. It's it, it's, the, it's the sort of thing that makes you feel that you're not quite as hardcore or don't dissect these things quite as much as some people in fandom because I was having a brief look through Gallifrey Base and there is indeed now a debate going on as to how many times the console room has changed and so on and so forth. But um, equally this showed up in something that Idris said and that because she's a TARDIS and she's a time machine, and this came up as a continual theme in things she said, because she'd said, she uttered things near the beginning of the episode, which later made sense later in the episode when she actually said them in context of the plot, and um, so you you get all this stuff where. She he's she's saying, Oh, I've got about thirty of those console rooms stored away now and the doctor says, Well hang on a minute, I've only changed it like twelve times and she says, Ah oh, yeah, but I've got all the future ones stored too And I'm yep. I was sitting there going Yeah, that's in it that, that, that kind of that's that that's crazy, but at the same time makes some kind of sense if you think of it as a time machine. If it's got access to its whole Existence—it makes it sound almost godlike, but um, the 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 idea is is certainly a fairly sound one.
3: Well, it is because um, if you think um, that when Rose absorbed the uh, the Harmony Eye, she had access to. She said she could see all of time, forwards and backwards. So, presumably, the Matrix has a similar access to that information. So. That's a tie in to to Rose and Bad Wolf, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I wonder. Um, ab- about the only other thing to mention is this uh, Blue Peter console, which me as a fan of the old style designs, it 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 was a few thumbs up round 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 from me because I liked the uh, the sort of colour scheme of the the time rotor in the middle of it, and um, it 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 was full of the sort of crazy loony ideas that happen when you ask a child to design something, like there's a there's a, I w- well I was going through the episode a few hours ago trying to pull out stills of it, because annoyingly there aren't any stills of it on the website maybe there's some on the Blue Peter site but I hadn't looked and uh, there's, there's a shower head on it and um, in a nod to the classic series, there's um, a shaving mirror and that the more I look at that console, the more I think that the the girl that designed it may have actually seen the odd one or two classic series episodes, not on a fan level like we do, where we've seen loads and loads of episodes, but she may have seen the odd one or two episodes or done some kind of research into the classic series to come up with some of her ideas. But yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping it gets some... Um, displayed at the Doctor Who experience because it would be certainly interesting to get a better look at it.
3: Yeah, we'll, we'll move on if we may, but Resident Alien yeah. has put in, and I agree with him, uh, I thought they might have had the kid on the confidential because they were talking about the design and that, so that would have been nice. So, well, I yeah. anyway, ma- well, they'd,
1: they'd, they'd, they'd had her on Blue Peter. It was a whole seven-minute yeah. feature in ah, Blue yeah. Peter earlier in the week. Ah, right, I missed that. Yeah. Okay.
3: Right, let me play another clip, and then we'll go to Charlie P.
7: I was already a museum piece when you were young. And the first time you touched my console, you I said... I said
8: you were the most beautiful thing I'd ever known.
7: Then you stole me. And I stole you.
6: I borrowed you.
7: Borrowing implies the eventual intention to return the thing that was taken. What makes you think I would ever give you back? My darling. My doctor, mother. We have now reached the point in the conversation where you open the lock. Are all people like this? Like what? So much bigger on the inside. I'm... Oh, what is that word? It's so big. It's so complicated. It's so sad.
8: But why? Why pull the living soul from a TARDIS and pop it in a tiny human head? What does it want you for? Well, it doesn't want me. Of course. House feeds on wrist energy and is bursting with it. And not raw, lovely and cooked, processed food. Mm.
7: But you can't eat a TARDIS. It would destroy you unless, unless... Unless you deleted the TARDIS matrix first.
8: <laughs> so it deleted
7: you. But Housecart just deleted TARDIS consciousness. That would blow a hole in the universe. So it pulls out the matrix, sticks it into a living receptacle, and then it feeds off the remaining artrin energy. <gasps> You were about to say all that. I don't suppose
3: you have to now. Okay, and Charlie, thanks for waiting. And uh, I just thought to say we've uh, also got another new entrant into the room, a uh, private attorney. Hopefully we'll get to you. We've got uh, nearly half an hour. I don't think uh, Lewis will start necessarily dead on time, but uh, Charlie.
11: Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, I thought this uh, episode was great. Um, it sort of, for me, it sort of reminded me of... Amy's Choice from last year, and, and with Amy's Choice, you know, there was, um, you know, both of these, sort of, there's some sort of, somebody evaluating the Doctor, or some sort of, you know, anet- some analysis of it, you know, with last year was, sort you know, with the with the, um, the Dream Lord and sort of like someone who, um, the, you know, the, the self-loathing he has, and then we have, uh, you know, the TARDIS, who's someone who, uh, you know, is quite fond of, of the Doctor. Um, yeah, and also I was looking back at uh, just the, uh, the production notes that Neil Gaiman did back in uh, 427 of Doctor Who magazine. How things like he 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 was writing stuff about uh, things about Auntie's unfortunate right arm and uh, the, the uh, deleted Planet of the Rain gods scene. And that originally that um, nor, uh, Rory wasn't supposed to be in it, in which you know it's interesting you know with the whole um, you know the whole line of him being the pretty one. Um, yeah, just you know, stuff I like. You know, like you know, Matt Smith. You know, like the whole yeah, the whole line about him, you know, wanting to be forgiven, and, and the whole that scene where he finds all the uh, time the distress signals, the collection. Uh, yeah, and just the, the dialogue between, um, you know, uh, the doctor's wife and the doctor. You know, I always took you wherever you needed to go, and you know, yeah, like the, like the, the scene that. Um, uh, you know when she's yeah she's looking at the the shaving mirror uh, that you know yeah good performance you know just the, the I like how you know Sharon Jones and Matt Smith uh, work off each other and um, yeah I think everything everything everybody else has said has been said for her, so yeah I thought was great well
3: I'm sorry about that Charlie but I mean we didn't right. go first last week so we no, no no
11: no it's fine yeah it's a five out of five so
3: okay right, let me play another clip and then we'll go to I assume in and let Willis go go next.
6: I've turned off the corridor anti so do be careful.
8: Come on. Bond the tube into the taxing yes, diverter. Yes, I have actually rebuilt the car before, you know. I know
7: what I'm doing. You're like a nine-year-old trying to rebuild a motorbike in his bedroom, and you never read the instructions. I always read the instructions. So there's a sign on my front door. You have been walking past it for 700 years. What does it say? That's not instruction. There's an instruction at the bottom. What does it say? Pull to open Yes, and what do you do? I push. Every single time, 700 years, police box doors open
8: out the way. Now, I think I have earned the right to open my front doors any way I want. Your front
7: doors? Have you See how childish that up.
8: You are not my mother.
7: You are not my child. You know,
8: since we're talking with mouths, not really an opportunity that comes along very often, I
9: just want to say, you know, you have never been very reliable. And you have. You didn't always take me. Oh. Hello, Dave. Distracted that way. Oh, I just it go, then? And time
2: Sorry. I was back to
7: talk and run around and bring home spray.
2: using a console
6: without a proper shell. going
7: has about 18 minutes left to live. The universe, we're in. will reach absolute zero in three hours. Sorry, I was just about to cough,
3: so I muted myself. Forgot that that would mute the clip. Sorry about that. We haven't got time to replay it. Perhaps you could replay that clip eight at the end if, uh, if you're still in the room. Okay, uh, Willis Girl, and then we can test uh, Private Attorney later, who's a new caller. But uh, Willis Girl.
12: Okay. <laughs> um, I, I really love this episode. It was great. Um, I couldn't find a single thing wrong with it. I love the uh, the personification of the TARDIS. In a way, she sort of reminded me of River Song, kind of, sort of. The only thing I, I couldn't quite understand... <clears throat> I'm sorry about the episode, is why Idris needed a new soul. That seemed kind of um, weird to me. Well, she, yeah, I, I think that was she, I think
3: she was fooled into that. She didn't need a new one. She was just being used, wasn't she? They do my bidding, the uh, house says at one point.
12: Hmm. I just have to go back and watch that particular part of it. Um, another thing I noticed that um when Auntie touched the when Auntie touched Amy and said the house loves you, I could have sworn. I heard a brief sound of the TARDIS going off. But um overall I really love this episode. To me it's like an instant classic for this uh, particular season. Definitely a five out of five.
3: Okay. Well, Thank you. So- that's great. Right, let me play another clip. I want to get through these clips fairly quickly, and then uh, uh, we can find out who our new member is, if you want.
8: Yes, I mean, you could do that, but it just won't work. Hardwired, fail-safe, living things from rooms that are deleted or automatically deposited in the main control room. But thanks for the list.
1: I can kill you just as easily here as anywhere. Fear me. I've killed hundreds of time lords. Fear me. I've
8: killed all of them. It's never enough. You forced a TARDIS into a body so she'd van out safely a very long way away from this control room. Her flesh body can't hold the TARDIS matrix and live. Look at her body house. And
7: you think I should mourn her?
8: No. I think you should be very, very careful about what you let back into this control room. You took her from her home. And now she's back in the box again.
6: And she's free. Stop this. Stop this now. Look at my girl. Look at her go. Okay.
3: Um, can we just check? Um, private attorney, due uh, to our callers, can we just check your audio, please? I'll put in text if you don't want to speak.
2: They did request earlier, but uh, they, so far they haven't answered any of the that I put in there.
3: OK, then you go then next in and perhaps they can put in text. You'll have to mute them if they speak over you. Right. All
2: right. Um, OK, so I'll go now. Um, I love this episode. Uh, probably contestless surprise to anybody. Um, especially since just about everybody in here. I loved it. So, uh, yeah, a uh, great episode. Uh, lots to love. Trying to remember everything. Um uh, of course, the Amy's line. Did you wish really hard? Uh, is, is way up there. Uh, the conversation between the doctor and sexy. <laughs> uh, and actually, the, the funny thing is, is, is the, the whole reference when he when she says, "Oh, you, you, know, you call me sexy," uh, but then later on he calls her old girl, which I just love. That was just a that was just a great thing. And just, the doctor always calls her old girl and uh wow there yeah, there's just so much in this that uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the the whole running around the corridors but that was just kind of um like somebody had mentioned before you know getting amy and rory out of the way um mm-hmm. and which was fine uh i wasn't a huge fan of the corridors but then, then again it's like it, there's what you're used to seeing you know um uh, i'm more familiar with the 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 J and T era uh, corridors, um, plus nothing ever lives up to you know your imagination because you know, we've all since you who came back I'm sure been imagining what's beyond the TARDIS and what the, the corridors look like because if they're based on the uh, console room you know how does that portray throughout the rest of the Um uh, so I, I wasn't a huge fan of them but you know, again like Dave said it's you know it's a good design for something that keeps going and going, and they can keep, you know, like you saw in The Confidential, you know, they had uh, basically three sections where they could just keep running around up and down corridors. Funny, Doctor Who, running up and down corridors, never happened. Uh, Yeah, it was... It was just... Again, I was really, really pleased that uh, the, the, the Darth like this because you know, I sat there and I'm like, I wonder what Darth thought because exactly it was exactly what they, uh, what everybody, uh, well, what a bunch of people had speculated with, you know, what it was going to be about, and uh, it was interesting to see what they did with it, and they did a really good job.
3: Um, Ian, do you just, want me yes? to um, to play the next clip because I think it might be one of your favourite scenes. I think it All might right. be the one you cried at.
2: Uh, Probably.
3: (laughs) Let me play that and then it'll give you some more material. Here we go.
2: There you
9: go.
7: Doctor, are you there? so very dark in here.
6: I'm here.
7: I've been looking for a word. A big, complicated word, but so sad. I found it now.
2: I'm glad you played that one because there were so many things about that one scene that are just gorgeous. Matt Smith's acting, um just phenomenal, just this oh uh the, just the way he reacted to her going away and him not being able to talk to her anymore in this lifelong relationship that they've had, or at least seven hundred years. Learned in this that the the doctor and the Tardis have been together about seven hundred years. Um, uh, I'd love to. I mean, the, the tear that was coming to his eye that you can just visually see there, and uh, of course, I did cry at that bit. You know, pun- I'm just shaking my fist, Gaiman, because <laughs> um, yeah, it's just just so well put together, and that slight just whisper at the end there as she finishes saying i love you and it's probably one of the few times that i think that uh in this show you can get away with somebody saying that they love the doctor without anybody complaining and you know, nobody would i don't think anybody would or should uh deny the love between the tardis and the doctor um and 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 her the thing she never got to say to him, and he thought it was goodbye, and it was hello, and I just yeah, and then of course takes you all the way back to the beginning of the episode where she's trying to find that word, she's trying to f- find it, um, and then the payoff at the end there where you f- figure out what the word is, and she just wanted to say hello, um, and of course when when he when he first meets her, when she runs out there and she goes, where's my thief? I thought that was the great intro line, um, you know, her running out there and going, where is this? That's how she thinks of him, my thief, my thief, you know, ownership, uh, and and of course all the, all the lines of her basically, you know, um, saying that, you know, yeah, you might think you stole me, but I stole you, you know, there was a reason why I was, un- you know, you were the only one unlocked, yeah? <laughs> of course I was. You know, I let you take me because I wanted to go and and like others have said, the the, the whole um, her taking the doctor where he was needed uh, rather than her being unreliable. It you can go back now and watch uh, from you know the beginning of Doctor Who and overlay the TARDIS's personality that we've just discovered over the whole series and probably watch it in a different light now. Um, somebody was mentioning, you know, uh, the time flight uh, and and uh, uh, Arkham Infinity, the fact that uh, that they meet up with Tegan again, how, you know, how random that is that they you know, met up with Tegan again, but really is it now when you look at things like that where, you know, the TARDIS would take the doctor where he was needed. Well and he
3: kept meeting Donna Noble, didn't he? That was exactly. how he knew Donna was especially.
2: Yeah. Um so it, it just puts this nice little you know you can just imagine that, that that transparency that you just lay on top of the wall of Doctor Who with, you know, the TARDIS there. You know, Very, very nice. Love this episode. This is and like Mike was saying, this is um Vincent and the Doctor um for, for the season. This is this is the episode. Um I'm I'm hoping that there's something out there that will beat that this season. But if there isn't, I'm happy that we have this. Um, I've watched it twice. Um, uh, if my wife would let me today, I'd probably watch it a third time before we do the commentary tonight, <laughs> because I really, really do like this episode. Um, liked all the things it did. Uh, Rory was brilliant in this. Uh, the scene at the end where... Uh, we get a bit of an insight into uh, what was going on in his in you know his mind when because um, he was taking care of her uh, that 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 it, that it bothered him that that, that she died and and, and that was there was just a nice little touching scene there yeah and then of they, coming out yeah yeah and and it was um, and of course <laughs> Rory being the pretty one. <laughs> She uh, says, so oh, I can you know, engage in telepathic circuits. Um, okay, contact with... contact Amy. Which one's that? The pretty one? Yes, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, what's story.
3: wrong with bunk beds? You've got a ladder to climb up.
2: <laughs> You've got a ladder to climb up. Oh, but And, of course, the very, very last scene where he's like, are you still in there? Ah, no, you're just being silly. Well, let's go to the of Orion or wherever we needed. Boop, and the liver goes, and fade out. That was just nicely done. It was, yeah. There's a couple of things I didn't like, but it doesn't really matter because it was a really, really good episode. So I'll shut up now. And um, yeah.
3: <laughs> well, there's there's a few little things in text that we ought to. Read there's out a, a, l- a few, yeah. there's a lot, I've yeah. lost oh, track on. of the
2: text.
6: <laughs> uh,
3: well, this an alien, said, so they went to two. Uh, Perry G said, uh, uh, did she actually say I love you? Somehow I missed that, twice, need to watch I, it again.
2: I, I only quoted the second watch.
3: Right, I don't know anybody wants to put ratings in. Um, I assume it's a straight five then for you, Ian, did you say? Oh,
2: six. Oh. A six from the sixth doctor. And of course, it, you know the Confidential had six Doctor clips in it, so yes! <laughs>
3: right, I think Willis Girl gave it, uh, absolutely loved this episode. Top right. for series six. Um,
2: okay, here I, we I, go, I, I, the, the, they're rolling into the text chat now. All right. So Perry G gives it a 5 out of 5. Uh, Tim gives it a 4 out of 5. Guest 16, uh, 5. Risen and Alien, 5. Loved it. Uh, Luna Pilot, 5. Cybob, 4. Sean, 59, 5. Wow. Uh, it's nice actually uh, to, to 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 get a good old round rating on on something like this. Uh, Merlin, uh, a five on a sexy uh, TARDIS scale, <laughs> five out of five from Silent TARDIS. Five out of five from Silent TARDIS. Oh, I did that joke at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> a, what? Four point four out of five days. Uh, well, it's
3: supposed to be four and a half. I couldn't find me half quick enough. Uh, that was only because I was hoping to see a little bit more of the inside of the TARDIS, and although that lady did win me over
9: uh,
3: in her portrayal, it just... I wasn't totally convinced with the people on House at the beginning, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, it was a... It, it may go up higher on another rating, but I've got right. a feeling I might be with Darth on this one. It's almost an episode that, to say you enjoyed it, in one way, it, it was actually more... You know, a culmination of finding out things that you've been waiting for so long. So I'm not sure how many more times I will watch it, but right. it, it it it's one of these episodes that built and built and built, yep. and the longer it went on, the better it was. And it was nearly it was nearly 50 minutes long, so it was a uh, 49 minutes or something.
2: Right. Um. Some some more ratings in the chat. Uh. Five out of five. Moscow best this series. Uh, Guest Eleven gives it a five. Randall Thor gives it a five. DM Walling gives it a five. Perry G says, oh, uh, did you do the TARDIS groan joke? <laughs> it has a whole new meaning now. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
2: oh, yes, and, and and Silent TARDIS is... Uh, uh, the, to me, the TARDIS groan suggested that she prefers the brakes on as well. <laughs> well, I, I, actually, that was... At first, when she arrived in, in in the body, I thought that was a bit corny that you heard the TARDIS sound. But I thought it was really cute and well done when she said, I go like this and does the sound. I thought that was kind of kind of cute. <laughs> um, oh, the one thing that did bug me was the uh, scene where they all materialize and back in the, the, the main control room is badly edited. There is a jump in the the footage. There's a small uh, thing on the console that that rotates back and forth, and it visually actually jumps. That you can see it. You know that the, they didn't they didn't edit the clips together um, very well, um, which was a bit disappointing in this day and age that you know something like that. Well,
3: they obviously learnt from me.
2: Yeah. They, there you
6: go
3: <laughs> <laughs> well i th- I think we might have to draw to a close. I mean, I know you can stay here longer, but um we're, we've, we've done should. coming up for an hour and forty minutes uh so uh, the call is up to you. We've just got the the trailer to play um for next week, which uh, people may or may not want to hear twenty five seconds long, so you decide are you calling oh. time in or what? Just
2: one second here. Private Attorney General is trying to oh, get back course. in. Oh, of course. Are you there, Private Attorney General? No response. Um, okay, no, unless anybody sorry. has anything else that's that's really pressing that they, they, they thought of uh, during the show that somebody else brought up, I think, yeah, we could probably close when I close, because it's one of those... I guess actually, if it hadn't been a bad episode, we would have talked more. Um, <laughs> but I think with 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 everybody pretty much agreeing, it, it makes it quite an easy show. Um, it's just a matter of remembering all the bits she loved. Um, yeah.
3: Well, let me just say then before you uh, say cheerio to everybody, I'll play the uh, the the trailer for next week just in case anybody doesn't want to hear it, and just to mention that next week we'll be doing the same thing again at two p.m. Eastern Daylight Time here on Torture ID 54821 for Episode 5 The Rebel Flesh. And there will be a short 25 minute uh, bit of that before Ian plays the outro. So, Ian.
2: Yes. Um, Did you want to play uh, clip number 8 again before we leave?
3: Yeah, I can do that.
2: Okay. Well, we do that, and then uh, we will play uh, the next week uh, clip, and then we're out of here.
3: Okay, here we go. Eight again.
7: I've turned off the corridor, okay. the grass, so
3: do be careful. Are you
7: there? Come on. Bond the tube directly into the detection yes. diverter. Yes, I have actually rebuilt the car before, you know. I know what I'm doing. You're like a nine-year-old trying to rebuild a motorbike in his bedroom. And you never read the instructions.
8: I always read the instructions. There's
7: a sign on my front door. You have been walking past it for 700 years. What does it say? That's not instructions. Is instruction at the bottom. what's it say? Pull to open. Yes, and what do you do? I push. Every single time, 700 years, police box doors open out the way.
6: Yeah,
8: I think I have earned the right to open my front doors any way I want. Your front
7: doors? Have you any idea how childish that up?
8: Oh, you are not my mother.
7: You are not my child. You know, since
8: we're talking with mouths, not really an opportunity that comes along very often, I just want to say, you know, you have never been very reliable and you have you didn't always take me around wanted to go
7: no but i always took you where you needed to go you
8: did look at us talking wouldn't it be amazing if we could always talk even when you're stuck inside the box
7: you know i'm not constructed that way i exist across all space and time and you talk and run around and bring home spray
6: using a console without a proper shell Whew, it's not
7: gonna be safe Body has about 18 minutes left to live the universe we we're we'll we're reach absolute zero in three hours
3: Okay, and just before I play uh, the at one, uh, Mike, j- just confirm that it's a start of a two-parter next week, is it?
5: Yes, it is. Uh, Rebel Flesh, and the the title of the second episode keeps changing, but uh, yeah, two-parter. Right.
3: Okay. It's almost beautiful. I think the next one's called "Who Let the Dogs Out."
5: <laughs> yeah, in the back and over here, quite so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh,
3: if you don't want to hear it, I'm going to be playing 25 seconds of the next week trailer. Here we go. The flesh,
7: fully programmable matter. It acts like life, but it still needs to be controlled by us.
8: They can't remain stable without us plumb into them.
7: Trust me, I'm the doctor.
3: There you have it.
2: Yes, so that's coming up next week and uh, uh, we will be back here reviewing it for episode 100 of the Colton Collective podcast. Um, hopefully someone will bring cake. Uh, <laughs> but until then, uh, I'd like to thank everybody who showed up uh, really quickly in my quickest possible voice. Uh, Charlie P79, Dark Skeptical, Randolph or Resident Alien to Tim Jury, Willis Girl, DM Walling, Lunapilot, Merlin, per- Perry G, Cybob, Sean59, Silent Tardis, Sonic Sam, Guest11, 16, 20, 24, 26, 27, and 28, and all the numbers in between that I've actually left for now. Uh, thank you all for showing up and making it a great show, and we shall see you next week. <sighs> so there's nothing more to say then. It's goodbye for Mr. Dave A.C.,
3: and for once, it's goodbye for Ian, the Sixth Doctor.
2: Goodbye, everybody.